Stanley Rother was born on a farm in Oklahoma in the US in 1935. He grew up in a Catholic family and he grew up passionate about his faith. It doesn't always happen like that, but there's something that clicked in young Stanley and he was really switched on in his faith. As a young man, he decided to leave the family farm and he went to Bible college, to seminary, to study to be a priest. And in 1963, at the age of 28, he was ordained as a priest. And he did what any priest would do in rural Oklahoma. He started working in the local parishes and he sort of bounced around and worked in a number of local parishes. But there was something different stirring in young Stanley. And he approached the local bishop, the guy who sort of controlled all of the, the Catholic churches in the area. And he asked if he could have his priesthood or however it works, I don't know, but if he could have it transferred to Guatemala. Guatemala is a, a tiny, poor country in Central America. And so this farm boy from Oklahoma left Oklahoma in 19, what was the time, 1968, and travelled to Guatemala to live all on his own, lived amongst poor communities there. He learnt Spanish as he went. He didn't know it uh, to start. He learnt Spanish. He also learnt the local indigenous language in the rural communities in Guatemala. At that time, they spoke Spanish, but they also had their own sort of little language just for that area. By 1973, he translated the whole Bible into that local language. First person to, to ever do it. He supported and built up a local radio station and used it to teach language and maths and other things. I guess kind of like YouTube before there was YouTube podcasts, before there were podcasts. And so he built up this local radio station to educate local people. He founded a small hospital in the local village. They'd never had a hospital there, but he somehow got things together and started a small hospital there. You see, Stanley Rother was absolutely committed to helping the local people understand that there was a God who knew them and loved them. And he gave his life to that. But by 1980, there was some local opposition that was starting to grow against Stanley's work and against the churches in the area. I guess there are some people that just don't want to see lowly people raised up, that just don't want to see the poor educated and just don't want to see people find meaning and purpose in Jesus. In 1980, the local radio station was attacked, burnt to the ground and the staff there were murdered. Stanley still had uh, friends and family in the US and they were saying, you should come home. It, it's, it's getting dangerous. It's getting physically dangerous for them. You should come home. And Stanley would write back to them and he would say, the reason that I'm going to stay here in the face of physical harm is this. The shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger. I think he probably got those words from Jesus somewhere. On July the 28th, 1981, 14 years after moving to Guatemala, gunmen broke into Stanley's home around midnight, early in the morning, and they shot him dead. Ten local Christians were murdered that same night. That's how Stanley Rother died. 
A friend posted this on social media this week. Uh, they, they posted this, no images, just this word, these words. There comes a very sad moment in January when all the Christmas chocolate runs out. <clears throat> we all have that moment, don't we? There's something that happens around January where, that makes you realise that Christmas is now officially over. You know, for this person, it was the chocolate running up. But there's something that you go, maybe it's going back to work, maybe it's going back to school. There's something that, that announces in your mind that the new year is here. And we're starting this new year by asking ourselves and by talking amongst ourselves, asking what happened to that baby at Christmas? What happened to the baby in the manger? What happened to Jesus? I mean, the baby grew up. There's no surprises there. But what we've been saying is that what is surprising is that we're still talking about that baby 2,000 years later. Have you ever thought about how bizarre it is that we have a national holiday for the birth of one person 2,000 years ago? I mean, we don't even know what happened 2,000 years ago. Well, I did, because I did some research. The Roman, armor, the, the Roman army conquered Britain 2,000 years ago. The Chinese Empire moved its capital to Luoyang uh, 2,000 years ago. The House of the Silver Wedding was built in Pompeii. This grand, massive castle was finished 2,000 years ago. The Trung sisters started a revolution in Vietnam 2,000 years ago. Did you know that? No. <laughs> the, the point's pretty... I could go on. I had a... A lot of fun this week. The, the, the point is, the point is that we don't know anything that happened 2,000 years ago, did we? Like these are major world events. These are huge, huge things and we've never even heard of them. Yet we have a national holiday for the birth of one baby. And that baby, Jesus, is a household name. Even if you don't go to church, even if you don't kind of believe in any of the spiritual stuff, almost everyone knows who Jesus is. Why is that? Why is that, we're asking? Because we've said, like, he never ruled anything. Uh, he, never had, he actually never even had any position of power. He never had any title at all. He never won a war. He never started, uh, you know, he never built anything. He never made anything. He never wrote anything. He never traveled anywhere. But there was something about that baby. There was something about Jesus. There was something about the man that that baby grew up to be. So that not only do we know who this Jesus is, but 2,000 years later, people are willing to die for him. To literally die for him. And we're asking in this series, why is that? We're digging into that question. Ask, why is that? What is it that makes Jesus so memorable? What makes Jesus worth dying for? We've talked about the way that he redefined love. Jesus came into a world and said, I want to talk about a, a new, a different kind of love or elevate a different kind. And he talked about this sacrificial kind of love, a kind of love that put others before ourselves. That said, I'm going to honour and I'm going to love other people more than myself. Last week, we talked about the way that he redefined community. He came into a world where communities were defined by what they had in common, where people were in and some people were out. 
And, and he came and he said, I'm going to create a new community where everyone is in. A new community that is literally open to everyone. And today I want to talk about the way that Jesus redefined the way to get to God. Because people have been searching for God. People have been searching for ways to get to God from the beginning of time. Now, some people call it searching for God. But other people, and particularly in the, in the day and age that we live in, we have different words and different phrases, but it's still really the same thing. Some people will talk about a search for meaning and purpose. Some people will talk about uh, trying to find inner peace, leaving a legacy, eternal life. Whatever you call it, it's all the same thing. It's all this, this kind of deep inner search that people have to live for something bigger than themselves. To find something that they can connect with, something that is, uh, that is bigger than their little life. And people will try and find that any way they can. Some people try and find it in religious or spiritual kind of experiences. Some people try and find it through hard work and effort. You know, if, if I work really hard, if I read the right books, if I can kind of get my, my life all lined up like this, I'll find it. Some people try and find it through fame or power or influence. You know, if I, can, if, I can, um, if I can sort of get myself to a position in society, then I'll find whatever it is they're searching to find. The world that Jesus grew up in was no different. People were hungry to try and find a way to God, to hungry to try and find a way to meaning and purpose, a life of significance, uh, to connect to something that was bigger than themselves. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah would write this. This is Isaiah 35, 8 in your Bibles. He would write, There will be a highway there called the road of holiness. No sinner will ever travel that road. No fools will mislead those who follow it. No lions will be there. No fierce animals will pass that way. Those who the Lord has rescued will travel home by that road. They will reach Jerusalem with gladness, singing and shouting for joy. They will be happy forever, forever free from sorrow and grief. It's a picture of what everyone wants, right? Everyone wants to find that path, to find that road that leads to peace. To find that road where, in his language, there's, there's no lions and fierce animals. What he means is a, a, a path, a road that is safe, that's free from, uh, from sort of trouble and attack. Everyone wants to find that path that leads to joy and gladness and singing. Everyone wants to find that place where they will be forever free from sorrow and grief. Jesus grew up, stood in front of people and said, I am that way. John was there. 
John was one of the young guys that lived with Jesus and travelled with him and heard him talk and, and ate dinner with him and hung out with him. And when he would sit down to write a biography of Jesus toward the end of his life, he would remember and he would quote Jesus saying this, Jesus standing in front of people and saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one had ever spoken like that before. I mean, no one talks like that today, do they? You know, people write books about how to live a great life. People report, record podcasts telling you the path to joy and happiness in your life. People make YouTube videos telling you how to be an influencer and, and, and how to sort of get fame and, and influence and things like that. People talk about how to live a meaningful life. And they might, they might tell you to do things like prayer and meditation. They might give you some other daily habits. You know, people who win, they all, they all get up at this time and they do this in the morning and they exercise this way. And, you know, they might, they might tell you things that you need to read or things that you need to watch. They might, they might tell you about uh, the sorts of people that you need to have in your life and, you know, where to live and how to live. And they might give you all of that. They might even say, I'm doing this, you should follow my example. But no one ever stands up and says, I am the way. But that's what Jesus said. Paul was a, a leader in the early church after Jesus. And he would explain it to one of the first little churches like this. Ephesians 2, 17. Paul would say, he, talking about Jesus, he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. In other words, to everyone. For through him, for through him, we both, those who are near, those who are far away, we both have access to the Father. Ephesians 3.12, in him, in him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. You want to get to God? It's in Jesus and through Jesus that you find the way. And people have been following that way ever since Jesus said that. People have left jobs to follow that way. People have moved house to follow that way. People have moved to Guatemala to follow that way. People have been willing to die to follow that way. And if you asked Stanley Rother, was it worth it? I bet anything he would say, absolutely. Absolutely, it was worth it. You know, we live in a world where sometimes people ask, do you believe in God? I actually think that's not a great question. Because everyone believes in some kind of God. Now, they might not believe in a God as in some sort of spiritual being. But everyone believes in some kind of God, something that sort of directs their life, something that is the goal of their life. Maybe it's the God of money. Maybe it's the God of friends or family. Maybe it's the God of fame and power. And you might remember our idol series that we did last year. But everyone believes in something, right? So, so maybe a better question, rather than asking people, do you believe in God? Maybe the better question is to ask people, what God do you believe in? 
And maybe better still might be to ask people, and how do you plan to get there? Because when you think about it or not, all of us are making that choice, aren't we? All of us are sort of deciding, and you might not even realise that you've decided, but all of us are deciding somewhere what God we're going to follow, and then we've got to decide how we're going to get there. I mean, if you believe in some kind of spiritual being, you've got to decide how you're going to get there, how you're going to get where that spiritual being is. If you believe that lots of money is the path to a meaningful life, then you've got to decide how you're going to get there, how you're going to get to lots of money. What does lots of money actually look like and how are you going to get there? If you believe that power and influence or fame or, or anything like that, if you believe that that's the way to leave a lasting legacy and to live the kind of life that you want to live, you've got to ask yourself, how am I going to get there? And one of the things that set Jesus apart, one of the reasons that we're still talking about him 2,000 years later, one of the, the reasons that made people want to follow Jesus, one of the reasons that made people want to talk to him, one of the reasons that made people want to talk to their kids about him and their kids talk to their kids about him, one of the things that made people want to and willing to die for him, one of the things that made Stanley Rother willing to die for him was that Jesus stood up and said, I am the way. Me, my life, my death, my resurrection, I am the way. And for 2,000 years, people have been testing that way. They've been testing that path and they've discovered that Jesus was right. That's why we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. I mean, we're sitting here now with 2,000 years of history between us and Jesus speaking those words first. We're sitting here with 2,000 years of people testing that way and comparing it to other ways. 2,000 years of people trying all sorts of paths through life. All sorts of ways to meaning and purpose and significance and peace and joy and eternal life. And still as we sit here today, more people than ever before on earth have decided that Jesus is the way. 2,000 years of people trying to get money and stuff 2,000 years of people trying to be famous and get influence and power over other people. 2,000 years of people trying all sorts of different uh, sort of religions and spiritualities and still today more people than ever before on the face of the earth would say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way to a life of meaning and purpose. Jesus is the way to a life of peace. Jesus is, is the best way to leave a lasting, meaningful legacy. Jesus is the best way to eternal life. And of course, the reality is that every generation, every person, each one of us has to make that choice for ourselves. I can't stand here and sort of make you do that. 
I don't want to stand here and make you do that. I just want you to hear the voice. I just want you to hear a 2,000-year-old voice saying, I am the way, follow me. I just want you to hear a 2,000-year-old voice saying, I am the way, follow me. And I can stand here and say, it's a voice that I've heard. It's a voice that millions of people have heard. It's a voice that Stanley Rother heard. And it's a voice worth following. It's a voice worth dying for. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Thank mm-hmm. you.